Hexapod. Hexapod. I'm Alicia. And I'm Jillian. And welcome to Hexapod, a podcast on six legs. So we're um, recording this podcast as part of a requirement for a biology and human concerns course at Transylvania University. And today we will be discussing the most deadly animal in the world. So just kind of a, a broad overview. In 2015, there is an estimated of 438,000 deaths caused by this animal. And you might be surprised to find that this animal is a mosquito. And the reason it's become so deadly is because it's an efficient vector of disease, the most deadly of those diseases being malaria. There's about 214 million cases of malaria occurring worldwide, and about 1,500 of those cases of malaria are diagnosed within the United States each year. To give you an example of one of these cases, we're going to look at Mariama Jones. On the surface, she's just like anybody else. She's from Lawrenceville, Georgia, has a husband and two children. She's a nursing assistant, and at the time that she became infected with malaria, she was 19 weeks pregnant. She was just living her life day to day like everybody else, but then a family crisis required her to return to her home country of Sierra Leone in Africa. She knew that she may be exposed to malaria on this trip, and she knew to take anti-malarial pills on her trip home. However, when she visited her healthcare provider, they told her that there were no safe drugs for pregnant women to take to prevent malaria. She was skeptical but stressed about her trip and didn't get a second opinion. She stayed in Sierra Leone for a little over a month and took no special precautions to prevent malaria. A couple days after her return home, she became tired, weak, and had a strange taste in her mouth. A week later, she had fever and chills. She got a blood test and antibiotics, but her condition continued to worsen. She had no appetite but extreme thirst, headaches, body aches, and it got to the point where she actually couldn't walk. She went to the ER and passed a dark red urine, had a fever, cough, difficulty breathing, and nausea, but the fetal heartbeat of her baby was okay. They found an infection due to Plasmodium falciparum, the most common malaria parasite in Africa that can cause severe and even fatal disease. It infected up to 6% of her red blood cells, which is a pretty severe case. She started the treatment but remained ill and weak and even had periods of hallucinations. One day, she passed out in the bathroom and a couple days later, unfortunately, miscarried her baby. Four days later, she was improved enough to go home. This case shows that malaria can truly happen to anybody, even those that know to take precautions for it. Pregnant women especially are more susceptible to malaria. So it kind of sounds like in the beginning, malaria presents itself as a flu almost or a cold. And um, so it's kind of hard to diagnose. But she knew to go to the doctor, right? Yes, absolutely. She knew that there was a problem and she knew that it was probably malaria. That was the first thing that she suspected when she started to feel ill. And it resulted in her losing her baby. It did. So obviously this is, this is an extreme case. But if you do think that you'll be traveling to a place where you'll be exposed to malaria, you should then take anti-malarial pills and take the necessary precautions. Um, because like we mentioned before, the symptoms are wide ranging um, and they can be absent or very mild to severe disease and even result in death. Um, malaria is a curable disease. 
if diagnosed and treated promptly and correctly, but sometimes that doesn't always happen. Um, the classical but rarely observed malaria attack lasts for 6 to 10 hours and consists of a cold stage, which is a sensation of coldness and shivering, a hot stage, which is fever, headaches, vomiting, and seizures in young children, and a sweating stage, which you return to your normal temperature and you experience extreme tiredness. And some physical symptoms that you may observe are elevated temperatures, perspiration, weakness, enlarged spleen, mild jaundice, and enlargement of the liver. And in more serious cases where infections are complicated by serious organ failures or abnormalities in the patient's blood and metabolism, um, it can affect the nervous system and um, cause seizure, coma, or other neurological abnormalities and anemia, which is destruction of the red blood cells and acute respiratory distress. And there's a number of other things, including kidney failure, metabolic acidosis, and hypoglycemia. Um, but these are, like we said, in, in serious cases. So if you do travel and you do experience these symptoms, it's best to get um, treatment right away so they don't escalate. So malaria isn't something that's very common in the United States. We said earlier there was about 2,000 cases reported each year. Um, but there are more than 3,500 species of mosquitoes, and about 175 of those exist in the United States, with the vector of malaria, the Anopheles, being one of them. So it's definitely something that could um, very well happen to the United States again, and not just in these other countries such as Africa. This mosquito, the Anopheles mosquito, more specifically the female Anopheles mosquito, which is the only one that bites, has about 30 to 40 different species that vector malaria. And they can be distinguished by different from different mosquitoes by the black and white scales on their wings and the resting position of sticking their abdomen up in the air. Now, the mosquito itself doesn't contain the disease malaria, but a parasite that it ingests when it ingests human blood is what vectors the disease, which then gets spread to humans when they bite them again. So the development of the parasite in the mosquito is dependent on ambient temperature, higher temperature in the air is better, humidity, when it's more wet outside, it's better, and the mosquito is surviving long enough for the parasite to complete the life cycle. So who do these mosquitoes go after? Like, who are, who are their victims? Well, anybody could potentially be a victim, but they tend to choose their victims by odor and visual clues, and human behavior can also play a role, so males tend to get more frequently bitten. So, like, what kind of odor? Smelling really good or smelling really bad? Anything specific? Um, probably smelling really bad. <laughs> um, so when do these uh, mosquitoes choose to strike? Like, what time of the day? They are most active at dusk and dawn or in the middle of the night. So especially the hours between 9 p.m. and 5 a.m. is when you're going to have to watch out. Okay, so go inside at 9, 9 p.m. sharp. Yeah, especially for the males. Um, so um, as we mentioned before, there should be appropriate measures taken to prevent the spread of malaria. Um, there's options such as insecticide-based control, um, indoor spraying, which is the main way to kill mosquitoes that bite indoors. Um, but many have developed resistance, um, causing major issues. So it's not as easy to eradicate these large quantities of the Anopheles. There's also nets that people can use um, when they're traveling to prevent mosquitoes from biting them. And this has reduced deaths of children under five in Africa by 20% um, by forming this protective barrier while they're sleeping. Uh, insecticides used to kill mosquitoes and other insects are uh, still being used 
and they can repel the number of insects that come inside homes and can provide much more uh, high community coverage and protect all members of the community by reducing the number of the mosquitoes and their lifespan. Along with this, insecticides, um, there's specific types of insecticides used with pyrethroid. So this is low risk to animals and humans, and it's totally safe. There are still ways that we're coming up with to eradicate this uh, disease, especially in the countries that are within Africa, but um, more research is still needing to be done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a group at Johns Hopkins is working on developing genetically modified mosquitoes that are re- that would be resistant to the parasite. However, mass release of these mosquitoes is still up to five years away. Uh, a vaccine is also almost available. It's still awaiting the World Health Organization approval, and it's not extremely effective, but it would cut the number of malaria episodes among infants and toddlers from one to five years old by 36% over four years. So every little bit helps. To kind of talk about why it's most prevalent in certain areas, um, it really just depends. So transmission can be more intense in places where mosquito lifespans are longer, which would be the countries in Africa and the African species of mosquitoes. And um, they prefer to bite humans. And obviously, there's a large population in Africa. And with weather, um, epidemics can occur when where weather conditions suddenly change and become more favorable to the different species, including the hot and humid places where people do not have immunity. Um, and this explains why climate con- change could lead to more malarial outbreaks in the future, um, which could be the United States. And it also occurs when people with low immunity move to intense transmissionable areas. Although all this information may make you scared of mosquitoes, it should be noted that if you take the necessary precautions when traveling to places where malaria is prevalent, it shouldn't become a problem for you. Furthermore, it's important to remember that mosquitoes are an important part of our food chain, serving as food for animals like birds, frogs, and other insects. Malaria is a widespread disease affecting millions of people each year, and it's important to learn more about it. But it shouldn't make you scared of mosquitoes, so the next time you go outside and you, you see a little raised bump on your arm, don't, don't freak out. You probably don't have malaria. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed our episode of Hexapod, a podcast on six legs, and that you learned a little bit more about malaria. Again, I'm Alicia. I'm Jillian, and until next time.